Hello again. Welcome back to Country Roads Confidential at earsports.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. I'd like to introduce you to an important part of this program, perhaps you've forgotten. Chris Anderson. Chris, welcome back. Uh, I'm glad, but not too glad to be back, Mike. Uh, nice little couple days at the beach. Nothing too crazy. Um, tend to not do too much fun stuff when it's family vacation to the beach, especially you just kind of, as a dad, you just carry stuff around, take care of sunburns, and try to make sure everybody eats and sleeps so that you can eat and sleep. Uh, so not that relaxing, but it was nice to get away. It sounds slightly different than my beach vacation. <laughs> slightly? There was some eating and sleeping. Um, that's about it. Yeah. Not many you got the, you got, you, Well, you did mostly avoid the hurricane, right? You didn't get much of anything of it, or was it only there for like a day? You got a little bit of it. It, it was downgraded to a tropical storm, and then it was kind of heavy rain and, and I would say medium strength wind. It was by and large a lot worse than I expected and everybody forecasted, which is fine with me. Um, I'd like to think that I wished it away and I had that positive power thinking, so it's a good thing, but my first light tropical storm experience and it was it was upsetting because i'm an a or an f guy and that was that was a solid like c minus <laughs> updating schedules though um you're just back from the beach i'm generally angry at folks who are at the beach tell me where you're going to be the rest of this week back at the beach ah yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was my wife took off two weeks because she was about to lose all her vacation uh because she hadn't gotten any and then they made all these people work extra at the hospital and then told them just now that, hey, you better use this vacation or you lose it. So she took off two weeks in a row. Uh, we had to come back for meet the teacher day and end of Tuckahoe Little League, uh, Little League baseball festivities and getting ready for the start of school. So we we did Monday to Friday, then back for a couple of days and then right back to it. Uh, we're going to go Tuesday night, I think. And then come back Friday again. So back and forth, back and forth. This ought to be good. Uh, today is my anniversary. Happy anniversary to me and especially my wife. So I'm punching out for today. There's going to be about a 12-hour window where there's nobody at the wheel here. <laughs> well, I might be at the wheel. I just might not pass uh, all the necessary tests to hold the keys um, if I'm on hmm. vacation. Fair, fair. <laughs> um, let me go to Little League for a second. You coach, right? Oh, you! It, I guess you can call it coaching for first six and seven year old coach pitch. So, are you pitching? Are you first base, third oh, base? No, I'm pitching. Oh, you're left handed, right? No, I'm right handed. I had a nice oh. little soft toss right in there. Okay, are, are I, you I just, like baseball cap windbreaker? Like, how are you? How are you suited up here? Do you have like the the polyester shorts that are a little bit too short? I do not have the polyester shorts. I do have the cap. I do have the um. The windbreaker, the short sleeve windbreaker. I had no idea what it was, but it is fantastic because, especially, you know, in July and August, you are sweating all of the time and wearing a t shirt, you just look disgusting sweating through it. And having that nice windbreaker on uh, kind of covers all that up, which is, I guess, that's more of a treat for everybody else than myself. Between innings, do you go like full length? Full sleeve windbreaker, or you're like get a towel on that, or you're all right. <laughs> no, they don't. I'm not looking like uh, Bobby Cox out there from the '90s, kind of waddling over to the dugout, sweating everywhere in a full, 
full outfit. Um, you're always kind of running all over the place with these with these kids. Half of them, half of them don't even know what positions are which. Um, maybe you can blame the coach for that. But so when they're in the field, you're out there, and when they're batting, you're pitching. So no real time to sit down. This puncture is the illusion I had. It's unfortunate. I, I saw some of these things, but I was hoping for a little bit more. Have you been removed from a game yet? Or are you like, are you like the the nine inning guy, no matter what? Uh, no, I am. We actually tried that once, where they took me out and put in. We had one of our assistant coaches pitch for a couple innings, and no one could hit him. Uh, I think you know they, they always just practice with me. And with these kids, it's a lot about muscle memory, swinging in the same spot, knowing where to throw it. So the only kid that could hit off our assistant coach was his own son, and that was it. And it extended the game an extra 30, 40 minutes. So oh. we did not do that again. Trial and error, I guess. Yeah. Speaking of trial and error, the big news while you were away, not really a surprise, but it's, it's on the books now. We have this free year of eligibility. I think universally it's approved because of the benefit for 2020. That's the here and now. The horizon contains something of a problem logistically, mathematically, just functionally, because you're not going to have anybody in your senior class. So your scholarship roster is going to swell. If you have 20 players in your freshman class and you sign a a full class of 25 that again has 20 players that are freshmen. And all of a sudden your freshman class next fall is going to be 40 people, which is huge. And then more importantly, you're not graduating anybody because you effectively have no seniors on your roster next season. Everybody gets a free year. Your seniors can come back. It's a noble endeavor by the NCAA. And again, I God, I keep defending them and complimenting them, which feels very weird, but they earned it this time. It makes sense. It's the right thing to do. But it does have some problems that you're going to have to figure out in the future here. I'm wondering, what's what's a realistic vision here? What's an overreaction when you talk about not the benefit, but the potential problems here in the future? Well, it's it's funny to me because I, I guess this is my narrow-minded recruiting thoughts here. The first thing I thought of was that – are they even going to recruit another high school kid in this class for the exact reasons that you're talking about? Just overloading that, you know, that, that one class is going to be overloaded because it's going to be a double. So is this it for 2021 as far as high school kids go? And and maybe they're going full on junior college kids, just foregoing recruiting for the next four months and waiting until transfer season starts in December or January and going that route. Because you're also going to really, I'm assuming, improve the chances of kids um, getting cleared for immediate eligibility. And so I was focused on that, thinking, hey, they're done here. And I asked Neil Brown about it on that Zoom call the other day. And the very first place he went was, we're not going to talk to our seniors about whether or not they're coming back yet. That was kind of the first spot he went. I mean, he touched on on all of the different angles here but i found it interesting that 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 was the first place he went however what i think the seniors was a dozen 15 something like that for west virginia this year determining whether or not they're coming back and that's just like variable one on his mind and there's probably about four more and he mentioned that they don't even have the total roster number allowed yet that that you know the ncaa i assume is going to 
debate what the total scholarship number will be currently 85, what it'll jump to because of this. Um, but man, I can't, as someone that we've seen likes to control what's going on and likes to plan ahead and, and likes to be involved in everything. It's gotta be driving him nuts that this is a thing that he can't control and has to kind of hang back and wait for about four different variables to take care of themselves before he can even make decisions. I think I have 14 seniors. Am I kind of that right? Uh, I think I, I was gonna say, I thought it was somewhere in that range was 13, 14. Couldn't remember who, you know, if it was counting guys that were walk-ons that got scholarships or, or maybe are not on scholarship anymore or whatever it was. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't see one that comes back. So that's what I, what, what's the criteria for a guy coming back? Because I feel like you're going to have guys like Darius Stills that are, yeah, see ya, NFL, bye. Um, then you're going to have guys that, and I don't know, I'm not trying to not hurt their feelings. I just can't think of uh, the a person off the top of my head right now, but someone who's maybe a second or third stringer, who's going to come back for a sixth year to be a second or third stringer again? You know, so those guys are probably not coming back. Guys with pro futures are not coming back. So you're really getting a very narrow subset of seniors that might come back for another year. I'm, I'm more concerned about your junior class, I guess. But even then, guys who are good enough to go or who are done with football are good enough to go or done with football. But let's say, hey, let's real quick, let's do this. Senior class, ready? You tell me yes or no. Okay. Scotty Young, come back. Yes, no. Mm. That's an interesting mm. one, isn't it? Yeah, because, I mean, I, he's been a three-year starter. And so I assume the fact that he's going, he's transferring to WVU to play and was also even considering, before this ruling, sitting out this year and playing next year, or not considering sitting out, but if he didn't get immediately eligible um maybe his nfl prospects aren't that good so maybe he needs two years maybe if he has a pretty good year maybe he does stick around for another one uh darius stills bye tj simmons mm. Ooh. that's a tough one too because you know, he's transferred already he's already mm -hmm. graduated so he's already working on his mba i mean it's it got a mm -hmm. one-year-old yeah, he might be done too. Yeah. Okay. Alonzo would die. You know what? I could see him sticking around. That's an interesting one too. Jeff Pooler. Hmm. Dang on, is he a senior already? Yeah, redshirt senior. No, I don't know. I could see him leaving too. Yeah. Uh, Dylan Tongari. No, I think he'd be. I think he'll graduate and move on. Charlie Benton. Nope. Jake Long. I doubt it. Sean Mahone. Hmm. That's an interesting one, too. Right. Just because he didn't play his first two seasons, three years. Yeah. Evan Staley. No, probably not. Tyler Sumter's a walk-on. Dante Bonamico. No, I think he'd Mike be done. Mike Brown. Mm, doubt it. I think he's just... I, I'm not familiar he's, with his family life but i think he's already got a kid too right married, married yeah, yeah. And, and really wants to get into ministry um yeah so i wouldn't surprise you if he's gone chase barrett hmm if he has a great season he's gone yeah um let's let's go with the one name i didn't mention and i hate doing this uh austin kendall is not mentioned already transferred once if he really wants to give this quarterback thing the full shot and hey 
absolutely, you should want to do that if you can. He could theoretically transfer, not count this season, and be eligible next season. He'd have to do it really soon. But let's say let's just say it becomes apparent that it's going to be Daigie. And they, let's say that, you know what, first day of school, first day of practice, we're going to crown our starter. Congratulations, Jared. Austin, thank you for what you did. He could get into a new campus really soon. Traditional transfer sits out of here. It doesn't count. He could be eligible on a team next fall. Kind of a weird wrinkle to this eligibility rule, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, that's a strange one for him because, yeah, he could be here this year or next, but then Daigie could end up with three, and and so he might – but where to? I mean, he's from North Carolina. I would imagine it'd be somewhere in that area and somewhere that he could play right away. So I'm not sure where he would transfer to. Cool. So who knows? Who knows? Yeah. It's, it's an interesting thing. Again, maybe there's a place near home that he wants to play, and I'm not sure. It's all up to him. Um, it, it's, a, it's a weird wrinkle there. We also have a handful of players. Uh, this is somewhat off topic, somewhat on topic. But we mentioned Scotty Young, uh, Jaquay Hubbard. And who else is possibly eligible? Zach Dobson. There's a handful of players who are maybe eligible, maybe not eligible. Those are the three, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that this blanket eligibility rule will affect immediate eligibility ruling for transfers? Reason being, if this year doesn't count, what are we doing having people sit out? I have no idea, but... Then again, uh, now I'm trying to remember who it was, but there was somebody else who just had their waiver denied recently. That was a tra- power five to power five transfer and got denied. At, from Georgia to Tennessee. There you go. Um, oh, yeah. Mays. Mays is yeah. the last name. And and that was and he had some reasons uh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, he might have had a better case than a lot of kids and then got denied and got denied like last week while all, all of this is going on. So who knows? I, I, I feel like that should be a blanket waiver right now, but. Hmm. Well, you're going to have an issue because if you have Pac-12 and Big Ten people who realize that th- this bar does not turning around and coming back to port and your season is done, you're going to have to find a way to accommodate. I mean, I don't know, dozens, scores, I'm not going to say hundreds, of transfers in an immediate eligibility sense. Perhaps you just say, hey, these are unique and extenuating circumstances. Your conference isn't playing. Everybody else is. Yeah, if you want to go somewhere and be eligible, why shouldn't you be? Okay, that's fine. But I also look at it and say we're, we're kind of we're, – we're really taking the starch out of the whole structure of eligibility for this season by saying it doesn't count in effect. That's not the right word, but like they're literally not counting it. You still play, you get your games and all that. But if a kid transferred and Young, for example, is from a Pac-12 school that doesn't have football, I mean, you can make an argument that would compel either the initial ruling board or a appeal board to say, this makes no sense to have him sit out when others from his conference are playing or when we're just saying this year doesn't count against your eligibility. Why should they make it count? Like then what happens to Scotty Young? You know, he's just out there for a year because of, because of what, you know, if the year doesn't count, why does it count for him? I imagine a pretty good lawyer or a pretty good compliance person can make a case here that might convince some people to green light a lot of these players. It's a good time to be a lawyer, Mike. Good time to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you think it helps the roster? Brown had some ideas, uh, not surprising to me. He went with the special teams avenue because that's something a guy like him frets over. And you get some guys in, 
you get them around the team some more, I guess. You know, I'm not sure how many true freshmen you want running around on special teams, but hey, if you can get an Eddie Watkins or a Torres Simmons to help you out and play and get used to things, okay, that's cool. On the field, though, offense, defense, I have some ideas, and it may be later rather than sooner. It's something that probably was, sooner rather than later, but like, what do you think? Where is the benefit on the offense and defense? That was the first place I was going here was if you're talking strictly 2020, I think maybe he's right about special teams, uh, but that's not even close to the first thing that pops in my mind when I, when I think about the impact of this for West Virginia, at least the positive impacts of this. Uh, first off, one of the spots that we were just talking about and that Neil Brown mentioned specifically the other day, safety. He said, you know, mm-hmm. they were considering the Scotty Young for um, maybe having a red shirt this year and play next year, and that would work out really well because they lose so many safeties after this season. Well, if this year doesn't count, Scotty Young could be back, could play both seasons and still be there next year, and Sean Mahone could still be maybe be there next year. Uh, maybe a couple other guys you could really bulk up that room that you were concerned about and bringing in transfers for. Um, and then quarterback, you always want to have a quarterback that you could conceivably have at the helm of your offense for multiple years and, and really build up that offense. And as we've saw, you know, when West Virginia was at its best was when, say, Geno Smith was in his second year or third year, when Clint Trickett was in his second year, when Will Greer was in his second year and so on, and Skylar Howard in his second, third year. And now maybe – you know, instead of this being Austin Kendall's last year, if it's his job or if it's Daggy's junior season and then next year's it. But now maybe he's just a kind of a sophomore and maybe he's getting three more years. Who knows? I think it could really help build up the quarterback room and the safety room uh, for West Virginia. You always want your offensive line to be old. There's a chance you're going to have a really old offensive line in two years. Like, look okay. how many true freshmen, redshirt freshmen there are. They're going to be freshmen again next year. Your 2020, let's just say 2022 offensive line. Like, here are just some names that'll be sophomores Jordan White, Zach Frazier, Chris Mayo, Parker Moore, Donovan Beaver, Brandon Yates. That's pretty good, right? We think there's some of the more talented offensive linemen on the roster. They're young, they're not experienced, they probably can't cut it right now, but. They're going to be sophomores in 2022. And then, by the way, three years on campus, you figure, like at that point, it'll be the third year on campus, some of them more, and they'll have two to three seasons left. It works out in the future, not right now necessarily. It doesn't make them grow up faster, but you're having a chance to have a, a in 2022, a bunch of guys who have been part of the program for two and three years um, who are going to have a couple of seasons together too. It could be, I mean, the ramifications now are fun to think about, but like competitively and significantly for teams like West Virginia that are trying to rebuild and also get old at the same time. That's a boon right there. How do you, you know, we would, you mentioned it earlier with special teams and Neil Brown mentioned that, Hey, you know, now instead of worrying about only playing guys, he specifically mentioned Sean Martin, defensive mm-hmm. end Sean Martin, you know, finding four games to play him, but now he's going to be a guy that could play in, conceivably every game and be even more of a contributor towards the end of the season. Where else do you think this makes an impact for this year? Like who else is a, who else is a Sean Martin, a guy that, yeah, almost certainly going to be a four game guy. And now all of a sudden is a, Hey, let's play them all. And is going to make an impact. I kind of think a specialization here 
So who is somebody who is not, listen, if you're good enough to play, you're good enough to play. You're probably exempt from this conversation. So who is somebody who just has a niche right now that you can make the most out of? And I think of like three types of people, maybe, and three, like maybe even specifically players. It's, it's kind of hard for me to read your stuff about red zone offense and think about what makes the offense go in the red zone, man, if you can have a quarterback that can move, that changes things a little bit. If you can zone read or dart around, you know, roll out and do stuff like that. I wonder, I wonder, is there a chance that Garrett Green just throws a monkey wrench into some things in the future? I would uh-huh. like, I wrote, I wrote about this yesterday on my three things. He, I'm not saying you play him, but he sends me to the drawing board. Like if I'm Neil Brown, I'm thinking about it and it's August 25th. Okay. Not necessarily the plan right now, but like, I'm pulling a GA to the side and saying, I need to report on my desk in the morning. Like, I think that's interesting. What can we do with him that maybe we can get going on? And again, I really think that when you get into ward games, eight, nine, and 10, I think your offenses are going to be somewhat limited during the season. You're not going to have a lot of time to add stuff during the season. And you're going to want to work on what you're good at. I think it's going to be easier to scout teams during the season. And if you can do something funky in game seven, eight, nine, and 10, or if you can pull something out that you haven't done, I don't know, a two point play overtime a red zone possession you got to have something like that. I think that's interesting. So that's, that's an extreme example there too. Um, another kind of specialization is a receiver. If you're just fast, like you don't need to learn route trees, whatever. So hypothetically is devil Washington, a, um, a take the top off guy. Probably not, but is he a jump ball guy? That's interesting. So again, red zone goal line stuff. I think that's interesting. Um, but again, who is somebody who can, doesn't have to learn all the routes and concepts and site adjustments and stuff like that, but can, Hey, can you run a streak? Oh yeah, I can do that. Can you get past this corner and safety? Yeah, I can do that. What could Sam Brown do? And just like, Hey, just go out and gas this cornerback. And maybe you soften him up for Sam James, or you soften him up for Bryce Wheaton. I'm not sure where he stands right now. James is probably the same spot as Brown. I would guess I'm not positive, but like, Hey, could he do that? Could he go out and catch a bomb? Or could he just wear out a cornerback? I think that's cool. And then I think about like pass rush, which is where maybe Martin's kind of interesting, but also like a guy like Eddie Watkins, who we don't really know what he can do or what position he's at, but like if he can give you three snaps a game and he can get his hands in the quarterback and maybe get you two or three sacks during the season, just something you got to think about. So I would think specialization is where you get the kind of fun benefit here. If you're good enough to play, they're going to find a way to play you, especially this season because it won't count. But like, Whereas the guy who's on the cusp of being in the in the mix and in the room, but you just make the most out of what he does. Those are some some specialization areas and players I think it could work out. I'd also look at like special teams too. Um, who's the guy who's as fast that can maybe break a kickoff return for you or a punt return for you? But again, I think those guys are probably good enough to be on the field in some other capacity. So, Torres Simmons isn't going to fall into this because he's going to play no matter what, right? Even sounds, if they were sounds like season. It. Okay, sounds like that's it. A, yeah. That's what I was thinking too. He was the first guy that kind of came to my mind when I was thinking about it. But the way he's been, um, he, I think he's been mentioned by Neil Brown multiple times uh, on multiple, you know, multiple days throughout fall camp. And and we've gotten, I don't know if this is telling. This is part of your Sherlock Holmes routine on the pictures. But uh, he's been in a lot of pictures, Mike. He has been front and center in a few of them. So uh, he's looking like one of those freshmen that's definitely going to play, uh, even if they hadn't made this rolling. Do you want to try to mess around with the two deep really quick? Well, I would say you're going to see a written form of this uh, at some point this week. So let, let's give it a try. Let's let's see how wrong I am before I post this. Well, I don't think it's wrongs or even rights for that matter. And and here's why. Like we again, 
we joked about this where I was kind of pouring over photos and videos and trying to figure out who was going where and got some stuff wrong, got some stuff right. Example, it, it seems like Akeem Mesador is going to be a defensive tackle just based on the photos, and it sounds like that's actually where it's working right now. Conversely, like we thought we saw John Hughes as a guard. We weren't saying that. It surprised us. We commented about it like, wait a minute, he's repping next to the center? That's odd. Um, but it sounds like he's settling a right tackle. Footage from Saturday's scrimmage indicates some sort of an order for the offensive guards. And one of our readers, whose name I forget, uh, pointed this out to me. But, like, you can look at the picture and you can see Chase Barrett is snapping. And 74 is to his left, which is James Gamitter. And that puts Mike Brown at right guard. And you can catch a shot where there's a 5 and a 7 who's on the right side next to 7-9, who is John Hughes. So that's a change. Um, when Brown played guard last season and Gamitter played as well, Brown was the left guard. Gamitter was the right guard. Um, Gamitter started the season at left guard. Started the season. He began playing last season at left guard when Brown got hurt. It's quite possible that Gamitter's best spot is left guard and Brown's best spot is right guard, and they figured this out, or they're just going to say, no, this is the way it has to work, and they're doing that. So anyways, it's really hard to cover the team right now. You're getting everybody's getting the same zoom footage, the same photos and the same videos. And you're, I mean, I'm not, I'm not speaking for you, Chris. I'm having a hard time getting anything out of this because no one is at practices frequently in camp. They let donors in, they let family members in stuff gets out because people see it. Also we're there and we can walk around and talk to people. None of that this year. I have no sources <laughs> that are being very valuable to me right now. I'm hoping it changes, but it's hard and coaches are busy. And I think are probably a little bit fearful of just saying, you know, answering a, a, a question, hey, what's up? How are things? Um, and we're not allowed to talk to players, of course, so it's hard to get information, so we have to go to these strength, these lengths. But it can be beneficial, but I find it really hard to do what you're about to do and try to paint a depth chart because there's a lot of question marks. Yeah, and, and you mentioned probably the strangest one for me was the the offensive line. Uh, we've been discussing this about trying to figure out what's going on, who's going to move where, because a lot of the returners were all interior guys, and some had started, some had not. Then they flipped around, changed sides, and then we tried to take it, the words of the coaches, because Matt Moore is on record. One of the first things he said to me, the very first time I ever spoke with him last February, um, saying, oh, I don't I don't think of guard and tackle. I think of right and left. So now, um, you know, we try to keep that in mind. Be like, oh, okay, this guy's a right side guy and this guy's a left side guy. And now we're, that rule's not in play, apparently, much anymore. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe not. Um, and then defensive line, uh, you know, there's, like, like you said, it's hard to see because we can't see it for ourselves. And so we're trying to keep in track a bunch of what we see in the pictures, the videos, who we're talking to, and these kind of guidelines that the coaches have given us in the past, whether they flat out said it or given hints. Um, Jordan Leslie has been what was on record uh, answering the same questions that he says he can see a defensive tackle becoming a nose tackle. He can see a defensive a defensive end becoming a defensive tackle. He can see a bandit becoming a defensive end. But you're not going to see guys move two spots on the spectrum for him. Uh, so. But then, where does Mesador fit in, and and what size is he? I because I mentioned this on the board the other day. He began as a six foot one, one hundred and ninety pound linebacker recruit. 
Um, now, this was a couple years ago, but that's how his profile began at 24-7 Sports. This is a six foot one, 190-pound linebacker. By the time he <laughs> committed to West Virginia, he was reportedly 6'3". West Virginia's got him at 6'2", um, and 250 pounds. And now he's listed at 270. So on that spectrum that I just talked about that Jordan Leslie mentioned to me, we've gone from a linebacker to what is looking a heck of a lot like a potential nose tackle or defensive tackle at the very least. Oh, man. We haven't even gone over like the fact that Quay Mays totally changes the arithmetic on the defensive line, too. Because if he plays nose guard, they're going to bounce Darius Stills out the defensive tackle. And it sounds like Dante Stills at the end. Or use Darius and Quay Mays in the middle, and then presumably Pooler and Dante Stills at defensive end. Um, so, yeah, that's, again, another nod that they're going to go through either front, too, it sounds like. Um, really interesting. Um, I, the defensive line, I have no idea. I'm, I'm guessing on Mesador because um, he looks, projects, twitches, even according to Neil Brown, like a defensive end. But if he's got the bandit playing over his shoulder, that makes him a defensive tackle, right? I would think so. Yeah. All right, let's try this. Um, Quarterback, Daigie Kendall. Uh, I think it. I think it's Daggy, but again, um, you want to talk about snooping on the pictures and the videos? It was Austin Kendall with a presumably first-string left tackle blocking for him and throwing to Bryce Wheaton with some other members of the first team. So, on the goal line, that could have been situational. Give him a chance; you might need him in there. Also, Wheaton was a slot receiver on that play, which I didn't get. Mm. See what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Package is probably the way to go there. But, hey, uh, first game, first down, we say Daigie over Kendall. doesn't mean we're right. It just seems like what it is. Running back, probably easy on the number one. Number two, you're likely to see an or. Maybe you might see an or for all three here. But it's Letty Brown at one. Who's two? I think they'll put Sinkfield. I think they will put Sinkfield at two. One of the things I've heard, and it's maybe because like this is my corner, but I've heard Sinkfield's been really good. Like bigger, faster, stronger reads, reacts a lot better too. Um, but Mathis has had his moments too. Uh, you might be right there. I wouldn't um, would not doubt you there. Receivers. Let's start with the Sam James position. That's the Z. Um, he's obviously your one. This is where it gets fun, interesting, unusual. I don't know. Backup. See, this is where you screw me up with I because I always screw up. What's an H? Who's a Z? Who's an X? Who's a Y? Um, whatever other letters of the alphabet we use for this stuff. But who are my options? Well, Give me my options here. Well, if we're going by the Neil Brown classification, it's like the, the guy who can run, a long guy who just gonna who can run and take the top off. That would be James. Um, the other outside guy is that big body person who is going to use his frame, has phenomenal hands. That is your Sean Ryan. That is your Bryce Wheaton. So. You have James at one, and you have Ryan Wheaton at the other. That's the X. I guess the person that would be affected here would be Ali Jennings, right? Which one is he? Because he's kind of fast, but he's also clever, and he's got good hands. Um, I don't know where he ends up. I would think just by doing the numbers in our head, if Wheaton and Ryan are Xs, well, that would probably mean that Jennings is not going to be a third-string guy. It makes no sense. Would he be the extra Z? I don't know. Yeah, see, whenever I do it, I do outside receivers, and that's where I was going was Jennings or Wheaton as the backup. Um, that's that's a tough one because I like 
because Wheaton is a bigger guy that gets downfield, but he's not as fast, I don't think, as as Sam James or even Ollie Jennings. And boy, I like Ollie Jennings' body control and his hand. So I would put him Jennings behind Sam James. And I feel like Bryce Wheaton, at least his body type, his skill set, lines more with Sean Ryan, which I would assume be the other outside receiver position. Yeah, last season, um, Jennings did play at the X. So he knows that. Now, does that mean he's incapable of playing the other one? No, it doesn't. But um, outside of that, Washington and Brown are your other receivers. Washington probably is the bigger guy with the hands in the frame, and Brown is probably the the burner who's going to play behind James. Correct? Yeah. Just for just for new guys. I'm not saying they're the number two, but like that would seem like what you do with the new guys. Right. And then I don't I don't know if short is the word that you would use, but they just don't have a ton of receivers though. Like for outside positions, they seem like they have a a number of people who can play inside. But if you're talking about just like the wide receiver positions here, um, it kind of gets limited there. Uh, Ryan James, Brown, Washington, Jennings. And I mentioned Ryan. So that's, that's it. Um, Mm -hmm. I think Randy Fields, I think Randy Fields is an inside guy and Wakefield has been an inside guy. Smith is definitely an inside guy. So again, you don't have a lot of players there. So those six got to fill those three spots. How many of those six play? That's probably a more important question. I think like the one sure thing starter is James. It sounds like Wheaton has done everything to give himself a spot to start, but they're going to, they're definitely going to roll in two, maybe three guys at each position this year. Yeah. And I think, and we saw how much they kind of moved those guys around as well last year, uh, inside, outside, um and going deep into the rotation some of that was due to injury some of that was due to uh guys not performing uh like they should but out of the you said six got it i would say it's possible that maybe all six play like real live offensive snaps i think all six will play because of special teams and and whatnot but i think you could see throughout the course of the season all six of them play meaningful offensive snaps at the outside spots. Yeah. And if you go two backs or two tight ends, you're only going to have the two wide receivers, right? Right. So um, Simmons might get in there in some of those situations, especially if you get near the end zone, because he's, he's not afraid to go inside. And he's a bigger body than maybe somebody else. But again, if you only have two, it sounds like James and Wheaton would be certainly two eligible players there too. Uh, tight end. Easy, right? Uh, I think so. Uh, it's O'Loughlin and then, I assume banks behind him and then because you don't really have any other options. I mean, Charles Finley is there, but is true freshman still got to put some weight on. He's just a little bit smaller of a, a tight end compared to those guys. And that's not so much a knock on Finley as it is that O'Loughlin and banks are some big dudes. So I, I think it's pretty clearly O'Loughlin at the one with banks behind him. All right. I don't want to be wrong here. So I'll let you be mistaken. Take me through the, def- or the offensive line. Uh, okay, which way we're we supposed to go again? Let's start. Left tackle, uh, Uzebu. And I'm going to go, should I go first team, second team, or just go first team all the way across? I'm leaving it up to you. The mistakes are on you. Okay. I'll go Uzebu with Yates behind him. Left guard, again, we, we just talked about this with Gamitter uh, being there. So I guess committer left guard. Um, exactly. Uh, as center, as I was gonna say, committer 
Barrett and Brown from left guard, center, right guard. Behind mm-hmm. them, Bryson Mays at center. Blaine Scott at one of the guard spots. It appears he's been there, yeah. Now, he was he was a backup left guard last season, so he's okay. capable of either. But he, it also sounds like he's been pretty good um, and is kind of kind of carving out some space and maybe separate from some competition, too. And then right tackle John Hughes with Parker Moore right behind him. Mm-hmm. Surprised that we haven't heard more about just the names on the offensive line. He gets asked about it fairly regularly and perhaps – no information is constructive in the fact that he does not want to give false positives, so to speak, um, at this time of the year. But, you know, we've heard Barrett, obviously. Um, but apart from that, I mean, he's mentioned Junior. He's mentioned Gemitter, like just like names and never really in much depth. Um, they've had some good days lately, he said. Um, he couches everything when it talks about the running game by saying sometimes it's the perimeter blockers, sometimes it's the offensive line. But he did say that the line played pretty well in the scrimmage Saturday, I believe. Um, but then didn't drop a whole lot of names there. So we're left wondering about guys like Moore, Donovan Beaver. We haven't even mentioned Hubbard. If he's eligible, where does he fit? Um, I wonder if they just have an even level among a handful of players who can back up. I hope so, because I think Hubbard could be, I mean, again, Hubbard was listed as a tackle. He played guard at UVA. If he's eligible, that could really shake some things up. But I'm not sure where, you know, like, again, like if he slides to right tackle, are you moving Hughes to left tackle? Are you sliding him into guard? Because I feel like they're, I get the sense that they're feeling comfortable with that trio of committer, Barrett, and Brown, right? I mean, again, they're not saying much, like you said, but if I had to say, if I had to pick five and, and what's it called, a confidence level, of my five picks, I would rank Barrett or Gamitter and Barrett one, two in some way. Brown is three. I'm most confident of saying as a starter. And then after that is, is, is a huge drop off in my confidence. Have not mentioned Tariq Stewart. No, but uh, uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but what was he 30, 40, Pat, 350, three, a lot heavier than what he was listed that we had coming out of junior college, uh, which makes me think that he might need a little extra time to, to get ready in the same way that in, and, you know, don't to all the fans out there, don't give up on him. I, just because I'm saying that, because remember Mike Brown was the same way. Mike mm-hmm. Brown was a lot heavier uh, than he should have been when he first arrived. And now he's become a starter after just getting in shape. And Hey, you know, who's going to benefit from that extra year? It might be Stewart because he didn't have a regular sure. year available. So now he does. In red, a couple of days at the start of camp, too. So, at minimum, he's behind um, in addition to some of the conditioning things that we, we think may exist. So, perhaps the red was because of conditioning. But uh, that's the guy, too. And, again, you benefit a little bit by having more time than normal here. They're, they're not playing for another, what, 19 days, I think, something like that. So, they have a chance to get things together. Um, then he might be a guy that benefits later on in the season, too. Defensive line is, is also tricky here. Uh, I, I just don't know where some of these people go, and especially when it comes to depth at defensive end. But I'm a, I'm going to assume you go Pooler, Stills, Stills as your top line. After that, where do you go? That is where I'd go. Although I th- this I think, and halfway through the year, 
watch for this because I, I I get really excited thinking about this line. You mentioned it earlier. Um, Mays, Still, and the Stills brothers. Because Mays is built like a nose tackle, but he rushes the passer like Darius Stills. Like he, he's, again, let's not get too crazy with comparisons here. I'm, I'm talking simple skill sets when you look at guys, how they're built and how they play. Some guys are built like Darius Stills, but better at stopping the run. Some guys can rush the passer like Darius Stills, but aren't built like him. So I, what I'm saying here is he's built similarly and he gets after the quarterback in the same way. So I think the idea of the three of them together on a lot of passing downs or against quarterbacks that are a little more mobile, uh, that would get me excited. I think there's a cool way you can do this. And whether it's Mays or Jordan Jefferson or whomever, but there's a situation where your backup defensive tackle is Darius Stills and your backup defensive end is Dante Stills, um, which is kind of unique because it's going to give the offensive linemen some issues for sure because they're not you're, you're looking at a different guy. Like Darius is not the same as Dante, and Dante is not the same as Jeff Pooler. Um, offensive linemen, you know, sometimes you're used to hitting the same thing, blocking the same thing over and over and over. If you get a different guy, different body, different skills for a series or a couple of downs or whatever, that can really mess with it too. So um, this was probably similar on the offensive line too. Your, your number two left guard may be a name, but in reality it might be – I don't know. It might be a uh, someone who's also the backup right guard. Maybe it's someone who can play left tackle. I would imagine that you're going to see situations where your backup at one position is probably a guy who plays another position because it makes some sense. Um, it might be Bryson Mays is like the fourth interior lineman all the way around. Exactly. Yeah. Would you be surprised if he's your backup center, but also one or both your backup guards? No, probably not. It depends how you get to your best five. Same as a defensive line. How do you get your best three? Um, here's where I get con- concerned, confused, curious. Knows seems pretty simple. Um, Jefferson and Mays are behind stills. Tackle, Jalen Thornton, and then I don't I don't know. Like, we're, we're assuming Mesador, um, and I would assume Sean Martin. I'm not going to put a whole lot of stock into social media stuff, but, like, I know that they have people helping put together their bios, and Martin lists himself as a defensive end. He's 281 pounds. Perhaps he gives you the Dante Stills look, and he's just a backup Dante Stills at defensive end, but he certainly looks like a defensive tackle right now. Um, I don't know. This is where I get very intrigued, and I, I yield the floor to you and your expert insight here, but how are you backing up tackle and end? Well, I guess we the caveat here being that Taj Austin's out for at least, what did you say, half the, half the season or so, mm-hmm. I think Correct. was the, the release. So it, that would have been my first choice. But let me start by saying, if Sean Martin is 281 pounds already, he has been hitting the weight room hard or the pantry hard, or he carries that as well as any person I've ever seen in my entire life. Because I saw him at the end of last season, at the end of the, the high school season, around Thanksgiving time, early December. And I would have never, I, th- I think at that time, when I was doing my report on that visit up to Bluefield High School, I think I said, yeah, he's. We had him listed at six six two fifty something like that, and I said, yeah, he's probably six five, and around two fifty. That that sounds about right, and a good two fifty, a very lean and muscular two fifty. And if he is two eighty right now, who boy, that is. Well, uh, we're going by the roster, which is updated right. before they start. They have him at six four two eighty one. Perhaps he's not two eighty one. It's not thirty pounds off, right? Right. Yeah, it's got to be close. 
And and I'm just trying to imagine how that changes his body, how he changes it, because yeah, I guess you could say he, he would, might look a lot like a, a Dante Stills, kind of a, a taller, leaner tackle than you're used to. But oof, that's a big boy. Well, as he enters his junior year, Dante Stills is six four, two eighty, and and he's done some work on his body too. Um, is it apples to apples? No, because Stills is older, obviously. Martin, I don't know. I mean. I think the skills are probably comparable to relative to their phases, but again, is he a tackle or is he an end? I don't know. He could be both. I mean, maybe you guys have guys who do that, especially early on and they gravitate toward one, but again, Thornton is probably a backup tackle. And then I don't know what they do after that. It could be Darius stills. It could be Quay Mays for that matter too. But like if Mesador is part of it and Martin's part of it, especially because they can play this year, I don't know where they go. I don't either. And Boy, I, I think, again, to your point, is it just going to be pushed, uh, slide everybody down the spectrum a little bit? Darius out, Dante out, you know, to defensive tackle and defensive end, respectively, and then go on the inside because we've already mentioned Quay Mays and we haven't even talked about Jordan Jefferson, who was the backup and got at least one start last year. So, I. It, they got some options there. I, I don't. I don't know if they have as many as they did when we first started discussing the four-man front, but they have some options where they could they could get tricky there. Defensive end. You miss Austin. You may have to get creative with Dante Stills, but you still can only play either still so many snaps in a game. You don't want to play in ninety percent of the snaps, even though they're your two best maybe defensive players, maybe players. Period. Um, and after Pooler is. Young, 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 like to the point they haven't played or just haven't been on campus. Um, Tavis Lee is calling himself a defensive end. Linnell Carr calls himself a defensive end. Um, those are the defensive ends that are on scholarship behind Pooler right now. Um, I don't know how you handicap this one either. I don't either. I think that is the more likely spot for Sean Martin or even Akeem Mesador. I know we're talking about them being defensive tackles, and there is some flexibility there. But Martin strikes me more as a defensive end than a defensive tackle, unless again discussing the body changes. But I, Linnell Carr, we've seen we've seen him in action working with the uh, presumably the third team, um, or at least some third stringers. I believe he was in that picture with Garrett Green at quarterback and Blaine Scott at one of the guard spots. So. He's he's in the mix. I would consider him there. I think he was originally listed as a bandit when he first was announced as a signee. But it, even when he committed, uh, it was pretty clear that he was one of those guys that had the body type and the skill set to have his hand in the dirt. So defensive end was a definite option. Um, yeah, I mean, you got Pooler, Olsen's out. Oof. Uh, it's tough. Yeah, like you said, I, I mean, all the options I'm thinking here are either slide Dante Stills over or go with Mesador or Martin or, I mean, because I, I just don't see, I mean, I guess you could, who knows, Jalen Thornton, if he could slide over to defensive end, but I'm not sure he strikes me as somebody that's going to slide that way on the spectrum. Stick with Bandit. Five Bandits are listed on the roster. Bartlett, Cowan, Carr. Simmons, Watkins, the bandit is an important position. The roster probably needs a fresh coat of paint. 
Um, probably the top line is pretty easy here. I'm, I'm curious where Watkins and Simmons end up this year and in the future, but they're probably not germane to this conversation right now. Um, how do you order Bartlett Cowan? Um, I'm I'm sorry, man. I got to go Cowan. I know you're probably going to pick Bartlett, and Bartlett definitely had his moments last year. But I just think the upside right now for 2020 um, is really high for Cowan. If he can keep his head on straight and he can get out there, it, it, it's just hard to deny the athleticism and skill set he has. Uh, he, he got very few snaps last year before he got hurt. And he still made an impact in those very few snaps. So I think if he can, if he stayed on track, kept his body right, and could keep his head on straight, he could really make a difference. Bartlett played more than him last year. I keep forgetting yep. about that. I mean, not on that, but he practiced the entire time. Uh, Cowan's season was cut short. So that's why he played more, but also he practiced more, too. I think it's valuable. I, I, nothing against Cowan. I just kind of think that, like, he's, he's free pizza, you know. Um, if it shows up and you get it, great. But, like, if you don't use it, it was free. You didn't even pay for it, right? Just go for it. Like, you, you've, they haven't had him, but for one and a half games the past two years, um, you don't miss what you haven't had. I don't know if that makes much sense. And it seems like I'm devaluing him or diminishing him. I'm not. I just, like, I got to see it from him. And if he plays and he's good, hey, man, that helps out a lot. But if not, I think they're okay with, with Bartlett. And then, obviously, Cal would be good because they really need that position to be effective. And we saw what happened last season when they didn't have hardly anybody there who could play. Um, having to move guys over there probably didn't belong there. Tricky spot for last year should be the case this year. Um, and then we shift to where it's equally – unusual the bandit is a lot like the mic so maybe some of these bandits could play mike maybe it ends up that bartlett and cowan are your two best linebackers and you can only play one at a time and one ends up a bandit one ends up a mic that's a possibility but it does sound like dylan tonkery's had a pretty good run so far so i would imagine he's your leader of mike beyond that I'm sure, just kind of throwing darts in the dark is he is he your leader? I got, <laughs> it I got sounds some, like it. I don't know. I here's where I'm going here, and I'm. A, it, it depends right now, probably because still waiting on the Tony Field situation uh, to right. get you know out of quarantine and everything. But based off of adding Fields and how last year ended, my projection would be okay. Maybe not on week one because you you know how college coaches are. Got to reward the guy that's been there. Stick with the guy you know. You might see uh, Tonkery there for week one, maybe, as the starter. But I would guess, educated guess, Chandler, Josh Chandler, starting Mike. He started at Mike to end last year, and they had switched and moved Tonkery to Will for the last, at least the season finale. I'm not sure about the other games. Uh, I think it, it might have been two games, but definitely the last one. And... Then you slide Tony Fields in at will in Chandler's old spot. Your thoughts? I got to think, I got to think Fields starts. Uh, I don't want to get conspiratorial here, but like this dude doesn't say no to Texas or what was the other school? Minnesota. Is that right? Right. Yeah. Doesn't say no to those schools to come to West Virginia to have a shot to play a position. I think that. I think the blanks are colored in for him vividly. I'm not saying anything is guaranteed to him, but I think they're saying, listen, we are carving out a way to make you the starter at Mike or Will. Where he goes right now, I don't know. Um, and again, you're right, man. Maybe Tonker is in a different spot. His name has come up a bunch. So I'm assuming he's a frontline player right now. But also, 
there may be someone who jumps in line at his position too. I'm not sure what position Tonkery's at. I just know he's come up a little bit. I haven't heard his name in any of the very limited conversations I've had with others, but I just got to believe that Fields knows what's next for him, and that's why he chose not to stay in the Southwest. Um, you're right. It, it gained, you know, I, I think it was very clearly put to him. You come here, you start, period, full stop. I'm not going to say he was guaranteed a spot, a starting spot. <laughs> I, but I like, I'm okay. saying it. <laughs> I, I think it was heavily implied that all you have to do is what we think you can do, and this is what you can expect, which is probably akin to the same thing. But again, he's going to go somewhere. I think you're right. We hadn't mentioned his name because we haven't heard his name. I don't. I think he's. I think he's good now. Um, we'll probably hear about that when we talk to Brown, which is going to be over the weekend, I believe. But uh, that should be should be official by then, certainly, because that's you know a whole weekend. He had to do a five day um, quarantine when when he got here, so it should hey, be good. On, barring on Tonkery, though, that's a. That's another thing like you were talking about earlier. One of those guys that could be literally your backup at all three of those linebacker spots because he's played and I believe started at least one game at all three of those linebacker spots because he did get some time at Bandit last year as well. Let's move to Will. Uh, I think I see where you're going here. If, um, If Chandler or Fields is at Mike, and let's say they're both at Mike, perhaps Tonkery is at uh, Will. If Fields or Chandler is at Will, then Tonkery's at Mike. Um, and I don't think that's going to happen because it does sound like they found something with x low, and the more he's found the field, the better off he's been, which is not a surprise. To what extent does he factor into your thinking about how you move people around at Will? He's not an every-down guy, but he's he's got to be on the field, right? Right. I think, I think again, and this goes back to when I was like, hey, if they add fields, this changes the entire dynamic because I think that Tonkery is a, a great utility player, can play a lot of spots. Lowe has proven himself to be a very good kind of give you a couple plays here and there, come in in certain packages. Um, and, and once you add fields, you can kind of slide everybody down. And now all of a sudden, this this group that I had so many concerns about just back in the spring, I feel much more confident in. Because I think Bartlett, Cowan, honestly, I don't even care who starts. I know I said Cowan, but you can rotate those guys around. And, and depending on how you use them, you could split that almost 50-50 on the snaps, and you probably feel pretty darn good about it. At, if you get... Fields and Chandler as your starters at the other two spots, and you have Lowe and Tonkery as your backups. And again, still getting some snaps in there. I'm not talking guys that are getting three snaps a game when it doesn't matter. I'm talking a handful of snaps, kind of a rotation like defensive line to keep guys healthy. That's pretty darn good because Lowe has Lowe had some big plays last year, and it's apparently been even, you know, he's improved again this summer and done his his part to kind of keep the pace. Cornerback, unfortunately, Nick Troy Fortune been gone for a while. I believe that all of the services are at the end of this week, so presumably uh, he'll either be gone until then or he's back and he'll be gone again. Um, no timetable on him, a completely unique situation. Um, so that certainly makes the cornerback position unusual. There is a lot of good news, though, as far as performers. Um one name jumps to mind because of the coach. One name jumps to mind because of um, just pedigree and, and I think like where he should have been perhaps this time last year. But 
um, a number of people here that factor into two positions and then two people behind them as backups. But what are you doing with corner? I don't know. I really don't. I think this is... It's the biggest thing left on the table right now, I think. Yeah, offensive, it, line, it, offensive line's perpetual, but like now with without fortune here, you didn't have a whole lot, and now you're without your best returning player there for an indefinite period of time. Yeah, because, again, some guys that we had heard good things about early were to Corey Turner and Naeem Muhammad. We heard some good things about them last year, but now they are both spears, correct? Like they both, they have both... I don't want to say officially been moved, but are no longer really in that cornerback rotation. Uh, Nick Roy Fortune's been out, obviously. Uh, terrible situation for him and his family. But then Jairo's been, I think, was originally maybe a safety, but he's been kind of getting some cornerback run. Um, and some spear. And some spear. Yeah, this is... It, they must have some confidence in these guys, though, because you're not seeing them panic and move a bunch of guys over to cornerback, at least not that I've seen. Let me stop you there. We don't know that, though. We don't know where Favoris, we don't know where Takori Turner goes. We don't know where Alonzo Adai goes. We know that they were recruited as cornerbacks or can play cornerbacks or have played cornerback in college. Um, I wonder. I wonder to what extent they think about calling Alonzo and Adai into the office, calling to Corey Turner into the office and saying, hey, you want to try corner for a little bit? You might be the third guy, but you might be the first guy too. And I'm curious how things are going with Tavian Mayo because he was up there, he got his four games, but then they kind of kept him out to, you know, preserve that red shirt, played uh, walk-on Devin Wade uh, instead of him when things got really really thin because of injuries but now he's gained i think it was 20 some pounds and that was the big knock on him that he came in to college trying to play in college at 150 pounds or something like that now up to a respectable 170 180 and going into a second year is he a guy that you know they had to use last year and now all of a sudden they feel comfortable using him um that would be nice uh, we I heard some early things from Neil Brown about Dre Miller, but I don't think I heard anything the last couple of weeks. So it it's tight. It's tight. It was tight last year, and they fought their way through it kind of with what they had. But then again, that that first team with uh, Washington and Bailey was a little more seasoned than what West Virginia is going to have this season. I would assume that. If if Fortune comes back to campus as soon as next week, or maybe even he gets some more time, he's he's okay. He's the most experienced guy. I don't want to say cornerback's easy, but like you can miss some time and come back. And as long as your legs are good, um, you should be all right. You'll need your wind, obviously, but there's time to do that. So I think he could jump back into line pretty good. The question is, you know, Dre Miller, Tay Mayo, um, what can they do in the meantime? Can they help themselves? Or are they going to create the spot that? They get jumped the line again. And then again, we mentioned, you know, Adai, Turner, guys like that. We haven't mentioned Jackie Matthews. Is he still a corner? Probably. Is he a nickel? Maybe. I don't know. Is he like a half and half? Haven't heard that. Does this change the outlook for him? And then there's two freshmen that seemingly have to play in some, or at least be ready to play in some capacity. We have heard a ton about Daryl Porter. Have you heard David Vincent O'Coley's name once? Not once. 
unbelievable, which means maybe they're just keeping the freshman on nice and just like, hey, he's doing really good things. Let's not let it get out of control. And perhaps he's your day one guy. I don't know. He's got the talent to do it. But you figured he would have been rung up somewhere by the head coach at this point. It hasn't happened. Porter makes plays, picks off passes, I think scores touchdowns. Um, to me, not surprising, but I think to some people, uh, he was like the third freshman because everybody liked Fabris and certainly Vincent Ocoli. It uh, doesn't matter which guys are you got to play, and he certainly made plays. But I wonder how high he can go, too. Is he the guy that can get into a one or two spot? I don't know. But is he the guy that can fill the spot for someone who replaces Turner now until whenever he comes back? Not Turner, Fortune. Now until he comes back, that's possible. So, I mean, that's a great development. I think if you look at the things that have happened so far, certainly Porter's ability to play and, and kind of take on increased action and responsibility in practice, he's been pretty good at that. And West Virginia can't go into the, the, you know, when they had the linebacker issues, they went to the four one six last year. Can't do that with the cornerbacks. Can't go out there with one corner or zero corners and just hope a bunch of safeties can handle it. So speaking of safety, Tyke at spear. And then there's a couple guys behind him. I don't know who it is, but like there have been some players who can maybe make plays. Um, it could be a group effort. I don't think Tyke's going to come off the field very much, but I don't know. That seems like an easy one to, Put the top line in after that, kind of uh, up in the air a little bit. Can I, yeah, I was going to say, can we talk about that for a second? The backup, because, yeah, you're right. Tyke Smith, starter, done. Uh, let's go to the backups here. Do you find it odd that so many of the moves or so many of the, I don't, maybe it's not permanent moves, but sampling uh, that's been going on back there has been to the spear position when you have a sophomore to be? that you are probably going to play 90% of the snaps for the next two, maybe three years uh, already at that spot. You find that, I mean, Jairo to Corey Turner, um, Naeem Muhammad, tried a couple other guys there. Like it, I think Noah Guzman got some time there from time to time, switching back and forth between different safety spots. Is that a spot where they're, are they grooming for the future or is it an easy spot to kind of fill in for the backups? Hey, wonder about future considerations for a guy who's a sophomore. So that probably doesn't make sense. I just wonder, like, some of those guys may not be corners. Like Muhammad, they had him there, I believe, initially. And he's mm -hmm. probably not a free safety or a cat safety. So what's next for him? Maybe they can get in there. Um, I think we saw early talk that Favorus probably wasn't going to be a corner, that he had the build of a safety. Um, maybe he's on the field earlier at Spear than he is as a backup free or cat. Um that's a good question. I don't know. I just think maybe it's a circumstance for those individual players. They may not be a corner. They may not be a free. But, hey, this is a little bit of each. Maybe you're too big of a corner. Or maybe you're not fast enough for safety, whatever. Um, you can kind of fit at the spear. I also wonder, is Tyke Smith like a ideal fit at spear? Because that's, that's technically an outside linebacker, right? I wonder if that's like the, the visage they have for that or if he's just a guy who – was he 5'10", 200? He's just a football player who maybe plays a little bit bigger and does the things they want him to do there. I'm not I'm not too familiar with how they've done that historically. Are you ready for – that was that was a pretty good um, segue there because that was my next question. Scotty Young, when he was at Arizona, he began as a free safety and bounced around a little bit, and they moved him up into the box in basically a spear position, that outside linebacker kind of style safety is it possible 
I know where you're going. Yeah. If you ask me, like the first the first series of Eastern Kentucky, we see a surprise in the field, or we get the depth chart, or something surprising. Two things would be on the top of my list. That would be Vincent O'Coley starting at corner, or Smith starting at free safety. Right. That's where I was going. Was Kerry Martin's gone? Or not gone, but not not playing the season. So who's your starter at free safety? I think we speculated that Noah Guzman would be the backup. Maybe he could start, and he's shown some promise in his limited time. But what if you move? Tyke Smith to free safety and Scotty Young in at spear because that is where I mean it, it was it when I spoke to our Arizona guys it was very clear that they did not feel he was doing so well at the back end safety spots and did so much better once they moved him up into the box and and again that's what spear is is the safety that's up in the box that's going to be making plays closer to the line of scrimmage and Tyke Smith did great there last year but maybe he can because Tyke Smith also does a great job in coverage, and he began the year. Correct me if I'm wrong. At free or cat, right? Like yeah. He didn't man. move to spear until after Giovanni um, Giovanni Stewart left. Correct. So, this is the most August 25th conversation we can have. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm just proud that it's it, it seems maybe a little patting myself on the back here. It seems nuanced and and an intelligent enough conversation and a realistic enough conversation to have it for August 25th. So I'm proud that we're at that point, even with no access right now. Neil Brown's on the treadmill in his office. He's looking out at the field. He's got his earbuds in. He's listening to this and he's going, what in the hell are those two talking about? (laughs) Or how do they know? It's, it's, it's one or the other. There's no in between. Right. Let's wrap this up then. Free cat, Mahone's cat, free I don't know. We preview that, but there's so many. The cat is is. I don't. I almost say it's a unique position, but it's it's difficult to quantify. And they've had different guys at different bodies there. Uh, heard Jake Long's name. Um, you have Mahone. You, you have guys who can presumably play some of these positions in the defensive backfield. We just don't know where. Um, the truth is, they just don't have a ton of safeties. Like Mahone, Long, Kerry Martin's gone. Um, you just moved Scotty Young. Guzman is in the mix somewhere. Um, I think they like Kamara, who's now on scholarship, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so he's going to play. I don't know if he's a special teams guy, but Brown said you'll see him on defense. I, I don't I don't know that it matters too much because Mahone is probably your most reliable guy in the back. Um, Long is similar to him, just hasn't played a whole lot, but is a really good athlete and can run around and do some things. I think they're okay, and I think that they'll, they'll figure out free and cat no matter what. I think we know who starts a cat free. Again, we just created a, a rumor. But, man, if your corners are kind of TBD right now, you're not sure who's going to go where, and maybe you're moving safeties to corner to help out, then, boy, your safety's got to be good, especially with um, – I think you're going to see pretty limited nuanced defense. You're going to see a lot of, like, hey, just catch this ball and run or run by this guy on defense. Sean Mahone, are you ready for another August 25th conversation? Oh, okay. I don't think you moved Sean Mahone, but uh, both Mahone and Long began their careers as cornerbacks. I could think they're on the back end for a reason, though. They're back in for a reason. Okay. All right. Long got, so, bi- Long got so big that he played himself into a safety. That, I mean, that, that dude's a specimen, and he's tested out elite a number of times. His 40 is... Four four-ish, I've been told. Like he can float out there. So that's I think he can go, but I wonder if he's like nimble, 
you know, hips, feet? Can he do that at corner? Probably not if he's at safety. Again, he's got the physical tools. Hadn't been on the field very much. I think Mahone is different. Mahone was kind of a revelation at safety. Once they put him there, like, oh, my God, this guy's one of our best tacklers. That was two years ago, remember? Um, yeah. they, they realized he was pretty good right away once they put him back there. But, um, again, he's 5'11", and when he came to campus, was probably like that 180, 185. He's 205 pounds now, too, so he's probably a better fit at safety. Um, would they do that? I don't know. But, again, Long played like the nickel, like almost like a cornerback covered safety in some spots last year. So it's not like it's a foreign concept to him. I think he'd be a situational guy. I don't think that that's a safety they would move. Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't move Mahomes. I was thinking about Long, but then again, I didn't know he'd gotten jacked up like that. So maybe safety is the right spot for him. All right. Well, a brief podcast today as you got your feet back in the ground has gone over over 70 minutes now. This is unbelievable. And we didn't even get to discuss backup long snappers. Maybe next time. You know what's going to be a wild time, Chris, is when we do our travel roster podcast. <laughs> well, well, think about that because you're when we picked 70 before, we were not picking some guys because they weren't going to play. Um, right. Well, now your pool has expanded significantly because no one's redshirting. And you wonder how many times, like, again, like, would, would Nettie Watkins make it in a regular year? Maybe not. But, like, man – if he's if he can just show you that he can burn around the corner and and just pressure and he's a good like third and twelve guy, I don't know. You might bring him. Guys like that, I think, are going to end the conversation now. Well, let's save that for the next short ninety minute podcast that we do. That one has to be two two parts. I think we can't do that. And a third part, Absolutely. of course, for special teams. Even though that might just be me. <laughs> you can do that one. Hey, you can do that one while I'm at the beach. You can kickstart. You can kickstart right. that one. Oh. That'll wait till some other time, but as for this time, we're running out of time for earsports.com. I am Mike Casaz. And I'm Chris Anderson. We will talk to you later.